You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com, and use promo code COFFEE2020 to receive a discount, not to mention some great coffee. I'm drinking their coffee every single day. Today, I have a very special guest, former Ohio State coach Urban Meyer, who talks about what he learned being around Dan Snyder where he places Chase Young among the players he's coached, an insight into quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Meyer had some interesting thoughts on what he learned coaching Haskins, how he grew during his competition with Joe Burrow, I thought it was fascinating, and how it can translate this year and in the future. Then I have some thoughts on the Redskins' left tackle position and Jason Peters in particular. More on Dwayne Haskins, and then I close by trying to connect those who can offer help those who need it. Don't forget to check out my work on ESPN.com. I have a story posted on former Redskins running back Chris Thompson and his free agent journey. What was it like to be a free agent during this time? What he said about the direction of the Redskins. I think you'll like it. Before I get to my conversation with Urban Meyer, just a little warning. There were some bandwidth issues on his end, so it impacts the audio at certain spots. We're doing the best we can, folks, but his answers were good, so some of that will still be on the audio. Just have patience. It was pretty good. And now, here's my conversation with Urban Meyer. I wanted to start with, with Chase Young, and a lot of guys come into your program, sure, wanting to accomplish big things and, and expecting to accomplish big things. What kind of things did you see different uh, that was different about Chase compared to other guys that you have coached in that regard? Oh, I, you know, we were very fortunate over the last few years. Chase was one of many that had those dreams. You know, we kind of hit a cycle that in recruiting and it's continued at Ohio State that with the success our guys were having, the Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, right. Sam Hubbard, Tyquan Lewis, um, Johnny Simon won a Super Bowl. And then all the other positions. So, you know, I saw the same thing with Chase that, you know, first of all, here's a, a really gifted athlete, but he had big dreams. And so he was, you know, he was kind of in that culture where that was what was expected. You know, not everybody has the God given skill set. So, Chase, it wasn't like he was a unique guy. He was, he was surrounded by those, you know, you look around who's playing the NFL now. Absolutely. Especially his meeting room. I look back now at that uh, group of players and people, and they're all making a living playing pro football. So how did you see that manifest itself with Chase? Like, what kind of things do you feel that he took from them that he can now bring to the NFL and help the Redskins? Well, I think I, th- I don't think I know. What, what happened was Chase 
like a lot of young players, they come in and if you get stuck with a, you know, in a, in the, maybe a culture that's not, uh, a, not a strong culture, or if it's, then there's a hap, there's a tendency for that player to become part of whatever is there. Chase, he walked into a meeting room that was strong, you know, I mean, like strong, strong, strong player coach, and he thrived in that scenario. I really listened to our players because uh, I talked to them more than I ever have. I've talked to Mr. Snyder, I've talked to Coach Rivera and Kyle Smith, and I, I'm really impressed with what's going on there. And they're trying to build this thing the right way, and, and our players are very impressed that are Redskins right now. In terms of what, what, is, what is it that has impressed you with that? Because I know, listen, in reading your books and all that, very big on culture and leadership and all that. So what has stood out when you're talking to them? And, 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 and I wanted to get into this later, but I'll, since you brought it up, what has stood out in that regard? Well, I think having the courage to make change, you know, and they did. You know, there's certainly not a time to blame because that's not what this is all about. You know, whatever happened, happened. And I think that shows strong leadership all the way to the top to realize that we need to make a change. And they did. And they brought in an a excellent coach who has a great track record in Ron Rivera. I don't know him that well. I spent some time with him. But my, I've talked to players that have played for him. I see the way he works. I see the way he gets along with the, uh, Kyle Smith. And, and uh, I just I'm really impressed with, you know, having the courage to make the necessary changes to an organization. You had spent some time with you know, around the Redskins throughout the season, coming to watch Alex and all that. Did you talk to Dan about, because he, culture was the big word here. And again, culture is a huge word for you and Ohio State. I know, you know, in your coaching past. So did you talk to Dan a lot about that? Did he pick your brain about that throughout this process? We had conversation, but you know, what Mr. Snyder and I talked about, really, I don't want to put out there, but, you know, I appreciate the fact that we sat and we talked for quite a while. I appreciate the fact that a guy like Alex Smith is also, uh, they, they trust his judgment. But I, once again, I don't know if it's my place to start saying what our, what our conversations were. But That's fine. I, let me say this about Mr. Snyder. I know he, I, I don't know him that well, but I could tell just the passion. He wants to win and win in the worst way. He's going to do what it takes to have a winning franchise. I really believe that here as he moves forward. Some of that goes back to Chase. So what are the qualities that, again, you've coached all these great players. What are the qualities that you see in Chase that you say, this is why he's going to be really good in the NFL? The guys that succeed in college and NFL that we've had are the guys that are just elite competitors. They just refuse to lose. And if he brings that every day, and that's the players that I've talked to that are in struggling organizations and those that are in a very good organizations, it's the competitiveness of practice that every day you're showing up and, you know, not taking days off. And, you know, the pro athlete is much different than the college athlete. You know, you got guys making millions of dollars and, and that's what so impressed me about, you know, I always go back to the Patriots. I've been to their camps many times and, you know, here's Tom Brady, one of the greatest players of all time. I went to minicamp one time and it was their last, last day of minicamp and they're wearing shorts, you know, no padded practice. It was a two minute drill right at the end of the other minicamp. And he's playing like it's a Super Bowl. And that whole organization was coaching and playing like it was the Super Bowl. And I remember telling my team about that going back. What's the difference between, you know, great college teams and average college teams? The way you go to work every day. 
if you go working every day with a mission, every day to compete, you are going to get better. And that's what's so impressive about, about that. So I, I'm hoping that's what happens at, uh, at Washington. And in terms of Chase's skills, what are some of the things that differentiate him just in terms of his traits on the field, in addition to the competitor and all that? Yeah, just to, you know, I can't recall. I think Jadavian Clowney, I never saw him up close and personal, but you're talking about, you know, of all the players we've had, including the Bosa brothers, I, I think just as far as size and speed, he might be the most talented of all of them, mm. which means he's probably one of the most talented players to come out of college in the last decade. Uh, just sheer God-given ability. And then on top of that, you throw a great work ethic, very well coached, and, you know, a high-character guy that does things the right way. So, I mean, all the all the intangibles are there and also the tangibles. And with, in terms of Chase, you, he obviously was playing with Nick. And, you know, I know what happened a couple of years ago. It would have been nice to see those guys together for a whole season. But with Nick, what did you see from him last year in the NFL? And what do you anticipate maybe in the second year from Nick in the NFL? Yeah, every time I watched Nick play last year, I just my heart would break because we didn't get it because he was hurt the whole year his last year. And then same with – so we have Chase Young, a top pick, top two pick, and Nick Bosa, top – I can't remember, a top four pick, whatever he was. And both those kids were hurt. You know, Chase Young had a high ankle sprain, both ankles, for like five or six weeks that same yeah. year. And Nick Bosa was out. So we didn't have the luxury really – having those players play at their level. With Nick, what do you what would you anticipate after building for him to build on that second year? What do you think you could expect from him this year? I, I just know Nick as well as anyone. I know his work ethic. I know I, I tell people you have to shoot the guy to stop him and he'll be a guy that will dominate. You know, as long as he stays healthy, I don't you know, I see him being, you know, one one A, one B uh defensive ends in the league. With with Dwayne, how much have you talked to Dwayne this offseason and just even throughout last year? Not much. You know, Dwayne's uh, – we are close, but a lot of it's text messaging. And, uh, you know, I saw him when I – obviously when I was there at the game. And we stay in touch. So when you see – because, like, obviously you're big on event plus response equals outcome. How have you seen him respond – to his situation here and what he went through last year? Just from your vantage point, how have you seen him respond? Uh, I've seen him respond well. You know, I think he, it's almost like he's recruiting for the NFL. I see him, you know, every once in a while he's reaching out to Chase. And, you know, what I've noticed in the NFL is that it's almost like every player is their own business. Right. And so, you know, a lot of times what's, what's unusual about the NFL is, the season ends, and you can't see or talk to your players again until April. And that's really – I never really understood that. Uh, so a lot of times coaches and players, it's hard to build camaraderie when everybody's on their – you know, everybody's independent contractors. They're all on their own. And then this year, you take away the OTAs and all these opportunities. It's by phone. It's by Zoom. That's not the same as being there in person. So I, I think being a college, being an NFL coach, being a the quarterback, you know, when you – don't have that opportunity. I mean, you haven't seen your teammates since, you know, what is it, January? Right. And here we are in May. So how do you? you know, I, I I just think it's a really, and I've actually talked to some of the coaches about that. How do you build a team when you're not? You know, I understand you're not even allowed to call those guys, not allowed to have them over your house, not allowed right. to have meetings with them. And I'm just, we're college. 
I know what's going on right now. They're having Zoom meetings every day. You know, it's a daily conversation with your players in college. Uh, when they're on campus, it's daily interaction six days a week in the offseason. In professional football, you only get them a small amount of time. So that's a really – to build a, a great team, that's really hard to do. So with, with Dwayne, like you, when you saw him, was how different did he seem to you during the season? And again, did you see – because if you're watching him, you probably saw some progression. What did you see in him, and what do, you, what do you anticipate for him moving forward just from what you know about him? Well, the NFL is a much – I've always heard this, and I've witnessed it now. The NFL is a fast game. You know, right. even a, a school like Ohio State or the SEC that has so many NFL players, it is different. You know, it is – you don't have – you know, reality is that at Ohio State, you have, you know, there's a handful of games where the talent is equal. In the NFL, all the talent is equal. Right. And it's really, really a fast game. And I just noticed that Steam, as the year moved on, he adjusted to the speed of the game. You know, and I would make sure I'd watch him. And if I missed it for some reason, I would, I'd have someone put together highlights or I try to watch him as much as possible and just, I think the shock, no different when you go from high school to college, the speed of the game changes. And the difference between NFL and college is every week that team on the other sidelines is as good as you are, sometimes better. And, and you also are very big on leadership. One thing Ron Rivera had talked about from Dwayne, he goes, I want to see him become more of a leader. How did you view him in that regard? I thought he was very average at the beginning, and I thought he was very strong at the end. And it was a – there was a time and right in the middle of his one year that he started for us that he actually asked me for a team meeting and, and I kind of said, well, tell me what we're going to say. And, and I really talked to him. Ironically, I, we talked about Kobe Bryant. I've oh. used Kobe Bryant many, many times throughout my career. I thought he was one of the most incredible, a lot like what you're seeing from Michael Jordan right. in this uh, last dance where, you know, Team meetings, you know, I'm not a big fan of team meetings. I am a huge fan of on-field, on-practice leadership. And Kobe Bryant was legendary about that. There are some right. great videos out there. And we actually discussed it, and I believe he watched some of those Kobe Bryant videos where, you know, it's not necessarily standing up in a team meeting. That To me, that's, you know, I, I don't on-court leadership like you see from right. Michael Jordan and you see from uh, uh, Kobe Bryant. And I, I noticed a huge change in him. Uh, the middle of his, you know, the one year at Ohio State. By the end of the year, he was a very good leader. So what did you learn about him? Because obviously, you know, with Joe there, he had to – and listen, I'm watching these games, and I see him – I see Dwayne coming in against Michigan and doing what he did and handling his business there. And then in the offseason, he was in that tight competition with Joe. So what did you learn – and that's good for him. His competition is good. So what did you learn about Dwayne during that time? And it obviously named, named him the starter – what did you learn about him throughout that period? Well, I just started to really appreciate, you know, became a very tough, tough guy. You know, he was always the guy that was at seven-on-seven seven camps growing up. And uh, I watched him his senior year after he signed. He committed to us, and I went to watch him train uh, with his quarterback coach in high school. Right. And that was the best workout I've ever seen a high school quarterback have. His skill set was so well developed, so far advanced. Of Joe Burrow didn't look like that coming out of high school. Right. Dwayne did. The one thing Joe did, he was, you know, he was put more competitive situations. You know, he's a basketball different, very different. One was a little underdeveloped as quarterback. 
one was a little bit underdeveloped in leadership and toughness. And right. I saw Dwayne, I saw Joe Burrow really improve his skill set from release point to arm strength, accuracy, which Dwayne had all that already. And then I saw Dwayne improve in his toughness, his leadership. And, you know, that Maryland game, when we had to come back from behind and it was 52-51, I mean, he took over that game. Yep. Not only, not, not just his playing, but his, he ran the ball for one or two touchdowns. He, you know, his toughness, his leadership on the sideline. I remember telling him after the game, you know, that's as far as I've ever seen a player come as far as leadership and toughness. So how do you think that translates for him moving forward? question on Dwayne Haskins will never be, can he throw the out cut or make all the throws? Because the answer is very simple, yes. He's as accurate a quarterback to play at a higher level. Because ultimately, what's the great quarterbacks? They all do that. First of all, I've been saying this, he's surrounded by very good players, all the great quarterbacks are. But in my opinion, the Tom Brady's, the Drew Brees's, you know, Alex Smith's, they, they lead others, they instill confidence in others, and they raise the level of play of those around them. If he can do that, he's going to have a great year. I just have a couple more things real quick, and I appreciate your time. Terry McLaurin, I want to get to him because I know what he means to you. And again, in reading your book, I understand even more why you appreciate him because he seems to embody a lot of what you would espouse. So what, you know, I'm get, you know were you surprised at all at the way he kind of exploded on the scene last year for, for the Redskins. Well, he was, he's one of my favorite players of all time. You know, when you start talking about an elite culture, part of an elite culture is selflessness. You know, that we had a big term in Ohio State called solve the mystery. And the mystery is to put someone ahead of self. And right. he was the best team player, like I said, maybe I've ever had. You know, he did the, he did the heart. He would take, we would sometimes rest him on offense because I needed him so bad on special teams uh, to change the game for us. And he did. Yeah. And he did it in a self, you know, great attitude. And that is legendary still at Ohio State, his ability to be selfless and put team ahead of self. You know, that's, that's what, the, what the Redskins have. If they get that throughout the organization, watch out now. They're, I, I'm anxious to watch. Alex Smith, when you watched the documentary on him, what did you, you know, did it? I mean, the fact that he's put himself where he is, I'm guessing you're probably not surprised by what he's been able to do thus far in his recovery. Yeah, Shelly and I are very close with Alex. We actually were very close. I haven't talked to his mom and dad in a while. And, you know, we knew it was bad, but I had no idea. To say that I, I was aware that the doctor said we're in life-saving mode first and then leg-saving mode second, I didn't know that. I didn't. He never sent pictures. Alex is somewhat of a private person. Right. And he should be. And we tried to show respect to his family. Other than we just told him we love him, we care for him. And, but we both watched that, and we both had tears in our eyes as we were watching. I mean, that's, first of all, it's really well done. And uh, I, you never underestimate Alex. But the most telling moment of me was the end of the documentary when they showed Alex playing with his kids out in the backyard and his beautiful wife and, you know, just how much his family means to him and his mom and dad, you know, that. That's the true Alex Smith. Yes, he's a great football player. Yes, he's an elite competitor, but he's always had his priorities straight. Last thing, you know, we everybody always wants to know with you and coaching and all that, you've spent some time around the NFL now. Does the NFL intrigue you more than it has before? Or do you, you know, the, in the way you want to, the way you like to run things, does it, is it more intriguing or is it is it same, less, what? That's very intriguing now. and. and you know, not, not so much in the coaching mentality, but I've really studied it. And I'm intrigued just because, you know, it's, it's just self-growth. You know, it's, I'm really into 
you know, I do a lot of public speaking. I do right. a lot of corporate speaking. I do a lot of, I'm just really into, you know, because you know, I've always been in a cocoon for the last 30 years. Right. Or certainly the last 15, worried about my own program. But I'm really, I'm really studying to see, okay, how does this NFL thing work? You know, once again, the challenges that are in the NFL are so unique. You're trying to build a team without ever being around them. You know, you're trying to acquire talent. I call it talent acquisition. You simply go to a combine and watch a couple hundred athletes run around and, you know, in spandex and you get a, meet, a meeting with them. And, you know, the, I'm just really intrigued by it. You know, once again, I don't know about the coaching element of it, right. but I'm just very intrigued by it. So, because like, that's what I was wondering, because the, what, some of the stuff that you seem to like to do in terms of like coaching the coaches to be, get their guys to be leaders and doing all that, that sounds like somebody who's more of a team president situation where you can affect an entire organization that way. Is that something that would be more appealing to you? Oh, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I still am young enough to just keep researching. I, you know, I'm an employee of Ohio State. I'm an employee of Fox. I've got a great life, you know, those kind of things. We'll see what happens down the road. But like I said, I'm, I, I, one of the worst things you can do is speak without doing your homework. Absolutely. And so I'm getting asked a lot of questions. So I'm, you know, for example, you and I get asked a lot you know, almost every day. I want to at least know what I'm talking about. And right. to say that I really understood the NFL when I was in college, I did do a degree, but I never had time. And I'm doing the best I can to study it to the best I can. So when I get asked a question, whether it be on television, whether it be behind the scenes, at least I know what I'm talking about. Excellent. Urban, I appreciate your time. And, you know, I just, I, I greatly thank you for joining me. And Appreciate that. Keep me in, in mind if uh, you send me what you do. I like reading stuff. After this break, I'll be back with my thoughts on Jason Peters, Dwayne Haskins, and more. A couple months ago, I stopped into a store for a sandwich, but it was the smell of the coffee that knocked me over. That's when I fell in love with Lone Oak Coffee. I bought some of their Mexican blend and was happy for the rest of the week. Lone Oak is a small specialty-based coffee roaster company in Winchester, Virginia. They finished ninth in the nation in the U.S. Coffee Roasting Championships in 2017. They have received many awards for their house blend at the world's largest coffee roasting competition. Here's what I love about Lone Oak. They dial in each coffee to fit its best profile, bringing out the natural nuances and highlighting interesting flavors. I'm drinking their Brazilian blend now with a mix of nutty and almond flavors. They have coffees from all over the world. I love their smooth Colombian with hints of cocoa and caramel apple. Go to LoneOakCoffee.com, L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. And when you order, use the code COFFEE2020. That's COFFEE2020. You will receive a 5% discount with free shipping on any orders over $25. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Welcome back. Now, here are some nuggets of information you need to know. Number one, let's start with left tackle again because I keep getting asked about Jason Peters. Barring a big change in thinking, they won't be signing him, and there are two key reasons why. Money and opportunity. The money part comes in the form of cash, not cap space. Fans and and media, more often than not, will look at cap space. Teams, though, look at cash on hand. That's the bigger, bigger factor in anything. 
Now, I'm not saying the Skins don't have cash. I don't know what the budget is, but they do have a budget. And to sign a guy like a Jason Peters or a Larry Warford, it requires a bigger investment. In Peters' case, there's no doubt he can still play. The Redskins believe he can. They do, though, want to see what they have in Jaron Christian. Honestly, they know his play demeanor isn't the best. They also believe that he can probably still help. Donald Penn wasn't very good at times last year. They probably still would have gone 3-13 and with Trent Williams at tackle. I don't view a 38-year-old left tackle as the key to Washington season. Yes, he would be better than what they have. There's no doubt about that. But for all of you who want the Redskins to build it right and to give young guys a chance, that's exactly what they're doing here. They want to win. They also know that this is not a must-win year. It's a chance to start fresh. So they want to look at more youngsters if they so desire. If they sign Peters, yes, again, he's a better left tackle than Christian. But they also need to find out if the kid can play. He'll be going into a contract year in 2021, so best to find out now. Could he develop into a starter, or is he just a swing tackle? I talked to one person who felt he was already better than what Carolina had at left tackle last year, for whatever that's worth, because their tackle play wasn't very good. If Christian looks really bad in training camp, maybe they go in a different direction. I think there will be still some tackles available. Um, In Warford's case, it's definitely more about cash. He wants around $7 million per year and has only played right guard. The Redskins already have a right guard in Brandon Sheriff, so one of them obviously would have to play on the left side. But they also have guys that they like at left guard who they can develop. And you don't want to end up in a situation where you're paying everybody along the line a certain amount of money. You want to stagger it out. That's why I think they go out and draft you know, Keith Ishmael, who could play center, and with Chase Rouye's contract coming up after this year. You're able to then plug in a guy who's been in your system for a year and can take over if Rouye becomes too expensive and if you want to let him go. So I think those are some things to, to think about when you're looking at this. Again, think cash, not cap space. And again, it doesn't mean that they don't have the cash, but you do have a budget. And if you're going to go to the owner and say, you want to pay this guy this much money, it's, it has to be a worthwhile investment um, and make a difference here. And I think that's partly why they didn't sign a lot of guys in, the, in free agency to, to any sort of long multi-year deals because they do want to see what they have. They're going to use this year to try and win, obviously, but also to learn really what they have. And I think maybe then you can make the bigger splash next year. I'll get to more of that in a minute. But again, internally, the Redskins view this as a chance to build it right. That doesn't always mean signing every aging player, even if they are better right now. The key is to build something sustainable. Maybe Christian will stink. Maybe he won't. And if he doesn't, then the Redskins have found something. But I know there are some some there at Redskins Park who are resolute in their vision for the future. And I think that's quite a big change. At times, coaches just want to see guys who can help them win now. So some of the questions you guys are asking about cap space the coaches will ask the same thing. Trust me. But Ron Rivera is on board with this approach. Now, you can see what you have this year and proceed. They go 6-10, and 10, then you better take a good step up in 2021, and you can't take this approach every year. What you need to see is progress, and if there's progress with young guys, even better. I have some doubts about Christian. I'm sure you do too. Um, but I know that, in, again, in their mind, play demeanor is the big issue, but they feel like he can still help in protection, etc. So we will see. Keep in mind, too, when it comes to 
um, the cap and the cash. They will, they will have some young players coming up in the next couple of years that they're going to want to retain. Don't waste money. Don't waste good money on guys who don't factor into the future. Also, um, I addressed Alex Smith last time, but after his documentary, he put out a video of, of himself working out in Hawaii with his kids, dropping back, planning, throwing deep balls, running around the end. I think it's remarkable that he can do what he's doing. I don't believe, though, it alters the fact that he remains a long shot. One thing I've heard from others when discussing this, will a doctor actually clear him for contact knowing what he's been through and after having watched that documentary? That will be Smith's biggest hurdle. Also, in, in those videos, what we don't see is how would he do when you have a, a pass rush crashing down on you. But again, you know, and I would say this, would a coach feel comfortable actually putting him in a game? Nobody likes to focus on that aspect of Smith's journey because it's so impressive what he's already accomplished. There isn't anybody who's not rooting for him. I can't, I can't believe anybody wouldn't be rooting for him. And I think anybody should be impressed by what he's done. And again, my will stand by this and say, the guy has already won, regardless if he steps on the field or not. Because to me, life is always about how do you meet a challenge? This guy has destroyed that challenge. He, he was almost dead. He almost lost his leg. People were saying that you couldn't even get back to this. He has he is already surpassed, far surpassed, where people thought he would get. That dude got, has, run, has gotten a major W out of this, but he still faces these realities. Now, more on Dwayne Haskins. And I asked someone the other day if he had read what Haskins wrote on Redson.com, and we addressed that on their last podcast. And just out of curiosity about their interpretation of what he said, and if he, if, you know, do you pay attention to the words? And the reason I even paid attention to the words is because of the things that he pointed out that he specifically learned from. That's what I like. Not so much like, hey, I want to be great. I want to do this. Whatever. Tell me what you learned. Tell me how you can apply it. Those things, I think, are good because it, it shows some, some self-analysis and introspection. I think, you know, when you, we, we had Urban Meyer on, I think that's one of the big things from Ohio State's program. When you read his book and all that, he's very big on that. And I think Haskins took that to heart. Now, this person hadn't read what Haskins wrote, but he also said he didn't need to read. He, has seen, he said he's seen a difference in Haskins and heard differences in Haskins. And the one thing he said should not be the narrative is that it's really not because of his new coaches. That's not to say they wouldn't deserve certain credit for how they handle him. That's not to say they won't be good for him. But the, the overriding point this person made was that it was coming from within Haskins, that the change comes from within. By far, that's the best sign in this person's eyes. The feeling was he was sort of shocked into this change by what transpired during the season, but he learned. And as one person said, he understands. After this break, I'll be back with something a little different and an offer I'll make to those who need more of a distraction during this pandemic. Welcome back. Now, let's see if we can help someone. This is a little different, but I really want to do something to try and help during this pandemic other than just serving as a distraction. It just feels like more can be done. So I thought maybe we could use this platform as some sort of community bulletin board for those who could use help. And I asked on Twitter for names of people who, or companies who provide some sort of service that maybe others can benefit from during this time. There aren't many, so I will include one of my own at the end here. Please stay tuned till the end. 
Now, the first one comes from Greg Wells. He said he makes ear saver clips on his laser cutter. They help, and his description is they help keep the elastic straps on masks from rubbing the backs of hospital staff raw and others who wear them all day. If that helps you, he said that people and organizations can sign up to have people make them and donate them at meet.glowforge.com backslash earsavers. That's meet.glowforge and that's G-L-O-W-F-O-R-G-E dot com backslash earsavers. Any more questions? Hit up Greg on Twitter at Greg B. Wells, G-R-E-G-B-W-E-L-L-S. Thanks, Greg. Now, Curbside Assistance pointed out that another company at TS Creations Company makes custom-made Macs. So if you need them, if you need that, you can check them out on Twitter, and it's at T-S-C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S-C-O. Go check them out on Twitter and DM them or get in touch with them through that. And Tim Darby thanks Tim for this, tweeted that he is an attorney at St. Ambrose Housing Aid Center. He said, this is his quote, we provide pro bono legal services to Marylanders facing housing issues like foreclosure, disputes with landlords, anything housing related under the sun. They also write wills for free. So if you're a Maryland resident and you're undergoing some of these things, because some of this stuff could apply because of the job losses, etc., you can contact him. He provided the number. It's 410-366-8550, extension 209. Awesome offer, Tim. Thanks for those who participated. I hope this helps someone out there. Now, for me, I'm just a schlub reporter, but I know some of you are in a really bad spot or know somebody who is, somebody who's feeling pretty bad right now. If you know somebody in a really bad spot who might be helped by a 10-minute distraction talking Redskins, please let me know and I can connect with them on Zoom. I can't cure anything. I, I, there's not much I can do to really help. I can't give, I don't have jobs to provide or anything like that. If I can help distract somebody for 10 minutes aside from this podcast, I'd like to try. You can hit me up on Twitter if you know somebody this would help. And again, I, you know, I can't do it for everybody, of course. So I really want to try and help somebody who's in, in a bad spot, um, even if it's just talking to them. But if, So if somebody is in that spot that you know, please hit me up on Twitter at John underscore Kime. I'd like to try to help. That's it for this week. A huge thanks to former Ohio State coach Urban Meyer for joining me to discuss the Buckeyes on the Redskins. And thanks to you for tuning in. I'll talk to you next time.